Hey, my name's Emma. Hey, my name's Maddie. And you're listening to The Pilot's Pandemic. Avinola is a small batch gourmet granola that's made with grain and gluten-free ingredients. It's made from ancient lupini beans, which are filled with fiber and tons of plant protein. It's less than one gram of sugar and only 95 calories per serving. It's a zero guilt snack that checks all the boxes and loads of fiber to keep you feeling full. So Emma, what's your favorite part of Avinola? Well, obviously y'all already know I love the chocolate, but the coconut almond vanilla is also very, very good. Um, Besides just eating it straight out of the bag because it's that delicious, I love to make like a Greek yogurt bowl, bunch of avinola, honey, berries, macadamia nuts, maybe some pecans. I don't know, whatever my little heart is feeling. But that is my favorite way to enjoy avinola. And I especially love this company and this brand because A, it's a small business and B, it is women owned and created. We absolutely love Maggie. And if you haven't already, go back and listen to her episode. But you guys can use discount code PILOTSPANDEMIC for 15% off your order of Avinola. So code PILOTSPANDEMIC. What is going on, all our lovely listeners? You are listening to the Pilots Pandemic Podcast. Um, We are back with another solo episode, back-to-back solos. Are you sick of us yet? (laughs) I'm not sick of us. I'm not, but then again, I get sick of myself. As I said in the last episode, listening to myself has been, I mean, we're coming on Jesus Christ, this will be our 63rd episode. I can't believe we like have gone that long, like talked that much. And there are episodes we haven't even posted. So it feels more like, you know, we're probably at like 70 by now, but just those are the ones that haven't been posted. Yeah, we got we got a couple of backlogs, couple <laughs> of backlogs, but yeah. I don't know. I'm just like a new year has commenced and we're just going to keep on rolling with the punches. I feel like everyone keeps, I feel like we have a lot of people doubting us. Like they're definitely going to run out of things to talk about, but I feel like there's just always something to talk about and we both know how to talk. So the news never stops rolling in. Like we can always talk about something in aviation and relate it back to like aviation safety so I don't think we'll ever run out of a topic but you know maybe that's when we take a break exactly exactly when we're feeling burnt out we know when to stop and that's on um identifying and setting your own personal limitations love that okay hang on I gotta move Jack Jack's over here eating food and I know it's gonna be picked up by the camera come over here Anyways, so we have some aviation news that we're going to get into today. Um, Before that, Maddie made a little note, like, nothing is new for me. Like, (laughs) not a single thing is new for me. The only thing that, this is so random, and now that I'm about to talk about it, like, I'm I'm like, should I say this or? I love Emma's story, so you have to tell me now. (laughs) So the other day I decided to watch Rocky with my boyfriend. I've seen all the Rockies, but we decided to watch a Rocky movie because why not? And I think we watched, I don't know. It's the one with the I and the V. What does that stand for? Is that three or five? Uh, It's four actually, which is honestly that Roman numeral gets me every time because five is V. And the I is one, but it's like backwards for four. Like it makes no sense. So yeah, it's four though. So I guess we watch Rocky four. It's the one where um he fights the Russian guy. Spoilers. <laughs> Spoilers for a movie that like, came alert. out in the 80s. 
<laughs> spoiler alert apollo creed dies um so the russian guy kills apollo right and rocky's like oh i'm gonna whoop this son's ass and i'm sitting there watching it and i don't know why i was just kind of geeking the entire time because the movie is like very hyper focused on um technology like you can tell computers and technology is just like starting to be created and put out to the general public because the amount of access like basically thirst traps for like an 80s style computer and workout equipment and like all this random stuff it was so funny to me like I'm sitting there watching and I don't know why I didn't notice the first time I ever watched that movie but I would say that at least 10 minutes of that movie you could compound into just straight thirst traps for like buttons lights computers that have things that move inside of them Oh, a button that you touch. And when you touch the button, a light comes on a thing that's moving attached to a computer. And then there's numbers on the screen. Like even, um, what's the, what's the friend's name, buddy or somebody, somebody's dad and it Rocky gives them like a little robot girlfriend. And even that I'm just like, there's such a heavy emphasis on technology. And I just thought it was very funny. I thought it was very funny. I thought it was kind of cute. Like, look at us go. We've just been like, just the evolution. You know what I mean? Now that we live in like such a technologically advanced world, was it like, did it predict anything? Because this came out in the 90s, right? Uh, the 80s. I oh, the 80s. Okay. Wow. But it was just, I don't know. It didn't predict anything, but I just thought it was really, really funny because they were really showing off like technology. Like yeah. there were so many scenes that really just, you're like that shot really wasn't necessary, but all right, like look at that cool machine computer thing. <laughs> well, uh, but I'll, I mean, as far as predictions, now I kind of see what you're saying about, you know, um, like a, like a hoverboard, Russia like and... in back to the future, they had the hoverboard and I'm pretty sure we have hoverboards now, like, uh, the water hoverboards, I think, or well, I don't know if they're hoverboards per se, but like, I always think it's interesting, like older movies, like kind of predicting what the technological advances will be and it to see if they're like correct or not, but nobody got the iPhone, right? So for real well I would say the only thing that I feel like we're starting to get is like the little robot personal assistant thing which was basically they took a stereo like a boombox stereo and put it just attached it to like metal and probably put wheels on the bottom and like some kind of remote but it's supposed to be like a personal assistant robot and I feel like we're starting to have more technology like that like we have the Roomba um now we have, they have this new little Roomba thing and it kind of looks like a little person and it rolls around and it's basically supposed to be like home security. So like films, and I guess if it feels a threat or senses a threat, like alarm will go off or it'll start recording and sending you the video, something like that. So I feel like that's the only thing, but you know, what's funny is the way that we predicted the future in the eighties and the nineties, like we really aren't there yet. Like in the eighties and in the nineties, we were supposed to be having flying cars and like a flying utopia city. Yes. It's not happening. The closest thing we have is Dubai. <laughs> yeah. But still, well, we got a, I guess we have self driving cars. We got Tesla, um, but which barely work. Yeah. You have to keep on touching the wheel. True. Uh, someone just got pulled over because they were able to like do so like they bypassed that and they were like if police were chasing them I don't know where this was either but I just remember reading a news article about it and somehow they put like a weighted thing on the foot pedal uh, which like bypassed your hands having to be on the wheel and they fell asleep and the cops were chasing them and like obviously the car didn't pull over ever because the person was asleep so there are ways obviously people will figure out ways to bypass those things um uh, but the the one thing that we are doing is like trying to do space tourism which is kind of like a True. production 
True. Do you want to go to space? Like if you had the opportunity, would you do it? No. Fuck. What the hell? No. No. <laughs> no. I said I wouldn't go either. Like I'm not really like into it, but I'm my husband is, so I am not into that not one bit. I feel like I definitely wasn't born yet when the teachers went to space and they all died, but stories like that and things like that have really traumatized me as a kid. And I just don't feel like, I don't know. That's just a type of adrenaline that I would never want to seek. Yeah. I'm, I'm good staying at home. Like I just don't trust the process and the safety process of going to space. I feel like it's always like a, like, it's kind of like still in testing mode. Yeah. Like bro, one in five chance you're going to explode and die like a fiery burning, like just terrible, terrible death. And also I get like culture shock and like shell shock and so much just like weird anxiety whenever I travel to another country like imagine not being on earth like at least when you get like homesick when you're in another country you're like well at least I'm still on earth like eventually I'll get back to my country like we'll get there some way like I could always take a boat like worst case scenario we are taking the boat um there's always a way you know what I mean if you're in space and something happens babes you're not even on earth you're not even on earth like so just get real comfortable with the fact that there is no way home and I don't like that I don't like that (laughs) idea what if you just like fall out of orbit too and like I don't know I'm like what if an asteroid hits you you know what else is in space that could potentially destroy us I don't know I I'm good at keeping my feet on the ground and uh staying at home too Or what if like you, I don't know, like my worst fear would be to be in like this space station and then there's like a leak and Mm -hmm. then like everyone suffocates. That's nightmare fuel. Or like it starts getting really, really cold and you're losing oxygen like really, really slowly. So you have like this just really gnarly death. Um, I always get the, uh, um, the image of Sandra Bullock I think it was in gravity and she like just goes off into space she's like floating in space and like still okay. alive so that's weird that the you shit just I don't want that. to happen <laughs> so weird that you just said that because that was the next thing I was gonna say is imagine now like you're tethered to the outside and you're doing work to the spaceship and you somehow become unattached and you're literally floating away. Like you're alive, you're conscious, you're floating away and you know that there's nothing that you can do. You're going to die. Like, oh my God. Just imagine like floating in space for hours. Well, obviously you're going to run out of oxygen at some point because your oxygen tank will go out. But like, just imagine floating in space for hours and hours and nothing is out there. Like what the fuck? (laughs) I think I'd have a panic attack and probably die. Also, you're in a suit where like you can't touch your face. That's another thing that would give me like that would add to like the claustrophobia, like the mania of it all. Just like the. Ugh. Nope. Okay, so nope we don't nope. have any space dreams. I mean, I nope. are good with staying on planet Earth. That's good to know. Um, but <laughs> we should probably move on from space talk to Let's um, do that. Uh, to an awesome new study that is happening i want to tell you guys about it girl don't you what back your ass up oh do you want me to talk about me learning yes okay um it's side note another side note from the side note um so i had i finished two ground lessons with jesse he's actually like a really good teacher like i think some people wonder like oh my god like your husband's like teaching you how to fly um, he does have a CFI, his CFII and his MEI. So, but he, honestly, I really believe he was like born to teach, which that's what I love about him is he's like very patient, very good at like explaining things, really good at like listening to you and your questions. Like if you don't understand something and you're like, but can you explain this in a different way? Or I don't get the concept you're teaching. Like he's very good at like making you understand. So I've done two round lessons with him. 
learning about spatial disorientation, which I'm already like, dude, I hope my fucking inner ear never fucks up in the plane because that sounds scary. Um, but yeah, and then I wrote my letter to this guy that owns my dad's plane. And if you guys are wondering, like, how do I know who owns this plane? All you have to do is go to like the FAA aircraft inquiry and you type in the tail number of a plane and you can find out who owns it and where they live and everything. So <laughs> that's how I figured out who has my dad's plane. Lurk alert. <laughs> yep. Uh, private investigator here. So I wrote that letter. I got to send it out today. Uh, but yeah, and I'm staying strong on my dry January goal too. So all is good in the hood over here. Wow. 10 days, 10 full days. That's Isn't that wild. That's Last wild. Week, Jesse was like, he, he looked at me and he was like, what day is it? And I was like, it's the 10th. And he's like, oh my God, January is a long month. I'm like, yeah, 31 days. I'm like, you can have a drink if you want. He's like, no, because you know, what's going to happen is you're just going to give me shit if I do. And you'll be like, I beat you because we're both competitive. So <laughs> he's literally only staying in this dry January goal because of me for the competition. You go, but. if you turn it into a competition, that's how you can really stick to a goal. Like, and I feel like couples, like, especially married couples seriously are so competitive against each other. It's like a very low lying type of competitiveness that definitely exists in all relationships. And that's a good way to get a goal done. Just, I, just yeah, like, you, both do I it. Told him, you don't have to do this, but I'm going to do it. And he's like, uh, uh-uh. uh. If you're doing it, I'm doing it because I don't want to hear about it later. But like, honestly, I wouldn't give him shit because I know he likes to have his like cocktails at the end of the night sometimes. But I mean, I think it's good for us. Like it, it makes us kind of think about like, oh, if I'm not drinking, like what else am I going to do? So I've just been like gulping down diet Pepsis and Jesse, like every night is like, I'm making hot cocoa. (laughs) That's our alternatives. (laughs) Yes, I I know so many people who tried to do dry January at my work and like we had one bad shift and then so many people broke like so many people broke like that shift drink just looked too good Mm -hmm. especially when it's a free a free shifty Mm -hmm. you know you're like free is is way more appealing it's a free beverage like how can I how can I not say yes that's my thing I think I said this last time when last episode where like I'm in January I have like a wine it's fire and ice and I have to go to that and it's all about like drinking wine like Shalane is like wine country so that will be my real test because it's gonna be all my family and you know my brothers and sisters they they love drinking so I'm like cross my fingers. I can say no, I can do it. I think by the 21st, I'll be 21 days in. It takes 21 days to build a habit. I think I'll be good. You got this. I'm rooting for you. Okay. So now can I talk about the study? Yes. Okay. Awesome. So you guys, I just wanted to tell you about the study because studies are very important to changing aeromedical reform without them. The FAA will not change. Um, and they are, I hope you guys know this, but like the FAA is funding studies and I don't know necessarily if they're funding this one. I think this is funded and headed up by UND Aerospace, but they will directly communicate these study results to the FAA and they need the data because that's what helps them change the protocols. So this one is headed by Dr. Billy Hoffman. Um, and he asked me to share these with you guys. So it's a new qualitative study, like I said, headed up by UND Aerospace. The purpose of this study is to explore and understand aircraft pilots' knowledge of and access to healthcare. So that's the whole purpose. It's like a five-minute study, five to 10 minutes. It doesn't take very long. It's totally anonymous. If you get halfway through the questions and you don't want to answer them, you don't have to. Uh, it's for any pilot. So I know uh, I had a couple of people ask me, like, do I have to be part of the Air Force or do I have to be an airline pilot? All you, The only requirement is that you're a pilot to take the study. So help us help you by doing these studies for us so we can um, change aeromedical processes. Yeah, aeromedical reform. Woo. Yes. And we'll link it um, to the show. I'll put it in the show notes. 
So I nice. also working on a Canva right now. So I'm trying to post something oh. which by the time this comes out, I don't know. I, I hopefully will have already posted by the time this comes out. So go to Instagram and hopefully there will be some information there and you can access the link in the bio of our IG as well. If for some reason it's too complicated for you to go into the description, which. Or DM us. I have the study link also in my bio, um, or you could just DM me. I can send you the study link, you know, we'll do that for you guys. Um, it's pretty easy to do. And Emma, you've taken the study. Uh, my husband's taking the study. Uh, so don't be scared. Seriously, don't. Like, it's not, I, I feel like people think it's going to be these super incriminating questions, um, but they're really not. They're very like, like answering these questions are not going to get you in trouble is basically what I'm trying to say. To make a long story short, um so yeah go and take the survey um all right I think we're gonna move on uh like we kind of have been doing I love how we'll find these really random um just like crazy news just like people being crazy crazy news crazy 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 boy um which is the Wells Fargo VP, you crazy, crazy boy. So Wells Fargo VP fired and arrested after allegedly urinating on a woman during a flight. So ABC News reported, quote, Indian police have arrested an unruly airline passenger following a complaint by a woman on board an Air India flight from New York at the from New York to I don't know where, but apparently he allegedly urinated on her in business class. So I'm like, what and how, why, what transpired? Also, you're the VP of Wells Fargo and you're flying business class. I mean, first class is way expensive. Bus business class got the flatbed, so it's nice. Maybe they sorry, I just had class. to. I had to. That was like that just came to mind. I was like, damn, okay, like VP of Wells Fargo can't even afford well first class. Like, I'm not doing too bad. I've actually never flown Air India, but I'm probably like not every airplane has a first class cabin. So maybe they don't, maybe they just only offer business class because it is Air India. And uh, I think the flight was somewhere in India. I don't know exactly where, but yeah. I shouldn't judge a book by its cover. That was mean of me. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, like getting pissed on by somebody in flight in business class of all places. Like I expect that shit in coach. I don't know why. It's just like, oh, okay. That happened in coach, whatever. It's like the Greyhound bus back there. But business class and uh, Wells Fargo VP, like homeboy, what was he thinking? He wasn't. I'm just like, obviously. what? like what like was he out of his mind to the point where like he just stood up did not realize what was going on and just peed uh, or think, like was well, it an intentional urination it's I don't so like what the article kind of explained is like he had been causing like asking everybody in business class all different kinds of annoying questions like he was obviously belligerent but for some reason he picked this woman to pee on so I think obviously he had had too much to drink and then in another article I don't think it was this ABC news one but I had read that um, he was like begging the woman not to tell his family because he's a family man and in India I think it's kind of like really messed up if you expose yourself to someone like it's a bigger deal than say in America even though it's still a big deal here um, so I think he went to jail, um, and he could go to jail up to three years, but a lot of people at the airline were mad because they only banned him from Air India for 30 days. So they caused like a stink about that. But I'm just like, dude, if you are in that position of power, like, why would you get so drunk? You can't even control your, your penis, you know? Mm. Maybe it was like a like I know that's a fetish, like <laughs> it on, is a fetish. And like, I'm like, it's definitely a fetish. I know that's a fetish. Mm, 
<laughs> I know something bad. Um, <laughs> Hence my note, golden showers. Bro, like, I, I don't know, man. I'm just like, speaking of the situational stresses we're about to get into, like, man, just don't judge a book by his cover. Like, maybe he was really upset, like, that he couldn't fly in first class. <laughs> That's why he got so drunk. <laughs> He's like, this is so fucking embarrassing. I'm the VP of Wells Fargo. I'm not even flying in first class. I'm just going to get really, really drunk and like piss on this girl. I just like, my thing is, if you, when you do something like that egregious in a plane, it gets blown out of proportion through the media, obviously. But then it's like, you lose all your flying privileges. And I feel like you're subject to bigger laws, like, federal laws and not just like state laws so it's like a way bigger deal and that's why I'm like don't ever do anything wrong on an airplane literally though I'm like surprised more people don't really understand that concept like don't act up like there is a a very very fine line in the sand I just mm, okay I would feel really bad for him though if like for some reason he maybe he got a little bit too drunk and then like maybe he fell asleep and he like peed his pants and like it ran into the other seat onto the woman like if it was that kind of situation which I don't think it was by the way that like this article is written it sounds like he literally like like intentionally peed on her but that's like the only other thing that I could think and if it was that like I feel really bad for the guy like I mean shit happens and also men when they're on airplanes, I've heard this, it's like, you kind of lose a little bit of control, like of your, um, of your member. Oh, of your, your urinary system. Your member. (laughs) Just going back to my lessons, alcohol hits you way harder up in the air. There's less Mm -hmm. oxygen. So it's just like, obviously this person was not being aware of how much she was intaking but also why didn't the cabin crew make his ass sit down like and i don't understand that either the devil's advocate also when you're flying for some reason i feel like it's a pressure thing but i always have to pee like a russian racehorse whenever i fly like it is i'm getting up depending on how much water how much fluids i'm drinking like it could be every 30 minutes that i need to go up and use the potty and i won't be holding it because that's how you get like kidney like infection and like urinary tract infections and i even saw one woman who literally grew up holding her pee and now she has cancer from that shit so i will not be holding my pee i will be using the restroom and I could give a shit if you have to get up and move. You should have let me have the aisle seats. Period. Didn't someone get mad at you because you had to get up? Yes. To go to the bathroom? Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. It was an eight hour flight and I got up five times. I counted. I got up five times in eight hours to use the restroom. Keep in mind, I was awake this entire time. Like they fed us three times. Like, that's a whole day eight hours is like a whole day um you and just have a healthy bladder too you're supposed to go like eight times a day anyway so I feel like you should be urinating at least once an hour like that feels normal to me maybe not but like I don't know anyways at the end of the flight she literally told me that I had a problem and I should maybe get that checked out I was so I don't know I was kind of I really was actually I actually I was offended I was so offended because what made you think that that was an appropriate thing to say, woman? Like, you don't know me. Like, what if I had an actual medical condition? Seriously, that's and that's on them. Like, I feel like people just assume so many things in their mind that they don't really know. Like, they've made up their own story in their mind, and that's why they're getting pissed off and they have no idea what, like, the reality of things. So, fuck that person. They don't know you. Yeah, I'm, I'm honestly mad that I had to think about that again, because like, how dare she? (laughs) The audacity. Yeah, literally. So so anyways, now we move on to what we're going to talk about, which is the Mag article. So it's, it's titled, should I stay or should I go? 
and it's quoted saying professional pilots are facing a dilemma do you build hours toward captain at a regional airline or jump to an lcc and lcc is a low-cost carrier just in case you don't know what that means um because i didn't uh and then it goes on to say major airlines have revived the practice of metering limiting or slowing the non-flow hiring of pilots who work for their affiliated regional airlines and instead preferring to poach pilots from rival carriers affiliated airlines so for example it has become easier to get hired at delta as an on by envoy pilot than as a non-flow endeavor pilot and meanwhile the endeavor pilot may have a quicker time getting on at united than at delta this has reduced the career value of working for a regional airline even as the monetary value has increased considerably um so like why is this even important to talk about i just found it interesting that the way that airlines work now or the industry works is like it's totally flipped and so it's way different from when my husband started flying uh back like 10 years ago which is insane to me it used to be that you worked at a regional carrier and built your hours to go to a mainline but now you literally don't even have to build hours you have a choice to go anywhere you want so if you have your atp minimums which is 1500 hours and you're 24 years old because you get your you can only get your atp at 24 uh, then the regionals aren't paying what they used to either they're paying way more than they used to like for example jesse when he was working regional made 30k a year i made more than him as a uh, dental assistant that's insane to me because you make almost triple now as your for regional pay um so why is that a big deal i think it's just important that you have unlimited options and then it kind of you just it's in your best interest to kind of like ponder your quality of life and what you want from that airline i think before you just picked whoever would give you a job now you have the ability to say hey i'm going to look at this from my quality of life lens instead of i just need to get my turban time you know so or i just want to be at like that dream like i want to be at that goal like right now like I want to be at that dream airline. I can make it happen right now. Like, yeah. I don't know, just all the, the kind of like horse at the gate, chomping on the bit kind of emotions that you feel when you're working on this kind of stuff and moving into your career job. I think, and also I never really thought about this, but now that it's coming up, Jesse and I, so Jesse actually, um, I think this was like when we were 27, 28, we were really thinking about, hey, we want to live in Amsterdam. Like that was like our goal. This is six years ago now. Um, and we had just gotten married and Jesse was like, I'm going to apply to Delta. And, you know, he went through the whole interview process. He got the contingent job offer, but he did not pass the MMPI test, which is ironic because they don't even do that anymore. And so if you don't pass that back six years ago, if you didn't pass your MMPI, you were never able to apply to Delta again. So that was like a big blow to his ego. My thing was like, he's already flying for an airline. Like, I just don't understand like how they could use that against him. Uh, but now I think about it in a quality of life lens. And I'm so grateful that we didn't make that choice because of him having to fly backside of the clock and the changing of time zones and how that would affect his sleep quality and his stress and him being gone all the time. So it was kind of like a blessing in disguise because that happened literally right before the pandemic. And then after it happened, like when the pandemic came around, I'm like, aren't you so glad you didn't go to Delta? You would have probably probably been furloughed if that would have happened. So those are the kinds of things that I think about now that I'm just trying to shed light on for like the young aspiring pilot. But now you have the ability to think about like what is best for my own quality of life and i think that's important because those are the things that create like a, a better life for you because it's not all about making money period i heard that i heard that and i mean to each to each their own like i think definitely everyone has their own set of preferences and it's like no hate to anyone else it's just yeah that's that's a lot like 
And even I think the important message, like the even more important message in that all is like sometimes you might not get exactly what you want right away, but you might find out within time that that's you where you are is exactly where you need to be. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, I think I just made that up just now. Hey, that was a great point. I love that. It's like, uh, find the silver lining, even if it's bad news or there always is a silver lining, even if you refuse to see it. Like, I feel like down the road, you will see like everything turns out the way it's supposed to turn out. Airfare, healthy snacks on the go. Airfare curates and delivers healthy snacks to flight crew, travelers, and aviation businesses. They've sourced more than 50 snacks from small businesses across North America. Hundreds of pilots love these snacks because they are healthy, unique, and have a long shelf life. And they're perfect for keeping you feeling great in the flight deck. Our listeners can get 50% off their first order of customizable snacks using our discount code Pilots Podcast at checkout. So go visit airfarepouch.com to check out all the snack options and learn more. Again, that's airfarepouch.com to use our code Pilots Podcast for 50% off your first order of truly healthy snacks. So the importance of turbine pilot in command time, once an absolute necessity for career advancement, has been greatly decreased to a point where legacy pilots are hiring a fair number of pilots without it. In fact, turbine PIC has become completely unnecessary for getting on with nation low-cost carriers, LLCs like Spirit, Frontier, Alaskan, Air... Alaska, I always want to say Alaskan Airlines, Alaska, JetBlue, as well as ACMA, Aircraft Crew Maintenance and Insurance Cargo Carriers like Atlas, can't say this next one, Catalita. Palita? Ooh, I kind of like that. Kalita. Yeah, no, I'm glad you said it. Like, what comes to mind for you? Okay, so safety the lack of turbine time so the lack of training the uh lack of hours per se i'm not necessarily concerned with young pilots flying big aircraft it's more so the like external factors that we always talk about and those pressures can be more difficult to deal with if you've not really been in the position of first officer for very long and then you're moving into that leadership role of captain and I think a lot of times when people think about oh I want to be an airline captain they think about I'm going to be in charge of flying but they don't think about all of the other things that they're in charge of and that's what can be very stressful and then you have to throw in like the stressors of your family and if you have children, which most pilots do, I would still say that being child-free is definitely the minority of pilots. Um, so those types of things can cause, you know, just a little bit of like a, a safety concern for me, um, especially because the reason why I'm saying that is because I always think about this in terms of the medical process and how you procure your medical and taking care of yourself and dealing with your stress. And I would feel much more safer with young pilots if we were all able to go and get therapy proactively. And we were all able to take SSRIs and not have to go through this long process. But the fact of the matter is, is that the FAA is not very proactive in the medical system. So what does that do to pilots that makes them clam up not go to the doctor and not seek care for things. And that is stressful. And in, in and of itself is not being able to go and get the medical attention that you need because you're scared you're going to lose your medical is a big thing. So, and I always use the example of my husband, like not going to get uh, glasses for a whole last year because he was just afraid for no reason. Because we know you can have glasses and corrective lenses to fly, but there was a time 
when you weren't able to do that. So that stigma still carries on, even though it's okay now, you know? So that's my thing is like, it's just, there are young pilots moving so quickly from first officer to captain at the regional, or they're getting poached by a low cost carrier like Spirit Alaska, Southwest, even the, the legacies even, and they're moving to left seat so quickly that I don't think they're as equipped as they could be as if they sat in a regional jet for longer or in the right seat for longer. Now, I'm not saying that they can't do it and that they, they're, they're not able to, but there's just that underlying safety concern of those external factors. And would they be more equipped if they had longer time in the right seat? Yeah. Does that make sense? I think the one good thing, like the one upside that I do see to it with having young people when it comes to the medical factor of it all is I have like a hope um, and kind of just a hope, but also we know collectively, and I'm not saying this is for everyone, because obviously if you've been listening to this podcast, we have lost young people to suicide because of this, but I would say the collective amount of say 21 to 25 year olds even into like 27 most of us are pretty aware of our health it's something that the the older generations I think because we've watched the older generations be so adverse to anything medically even not even within aviation just the way our parents acted about the doctor or anything medically in general, across the board, it was just different. Um, and then especially when it comes to mental health, this new generation were starting to realize that taking care of your mental health, it's just like getting a general physical for your body, your mind needs to be treated like your body. Um, so that's my one hope in this all is that with these newer generation of pilots, even though the FAA and our systems have so much work to do. There is, I mean, the hurdles that we're going to have to jump across for pilots to even be able to seek help without being punished for it. That's a whole other battle in itself, but I'm hoping that because these are young people, they'll just be more aware um, and a little bit more accepting of like their own health. Yes, I, I agree with you on that. I think especially your generation, I think millennials are leaning into their mental health more, but I still think that stigma kind of hangs over them um, just because our parents were like very stigmatized about getting mental health care. But definitely that is what I love about Gen Z is that they're, they're not afraid to talk about it. Um, and I think those conversations are helping people understand that it's okay to go and get help, but it's still that it's the FAA stigma. Like, dude, we still have people who won't sign our petition or won't do these studies because they think the FAA has the time of day to like care that much about them that they'll come and seek retribution. And that's just not happening. So it's like, how do we work towards removing that stigma? And that's obviously changing their medical system. I just think it was like noteworthy to point out that stressors without like the time it takes in in the right seat like I guess I don't know how to phrase that I think you I think what you're trying to say is like the point that you brought up earlier which I thought was like I think made me really think when you asked me like what would you do because I hate I hate confrontation I don't like conflict like what would I do if I was in a situation to be able to handle that and of course my first answer was like well I wouldn't be in that situation um and then I even said I was like well I would hope that they would give me the tools to be able to deal with those situations which made me immediately think of what you had been talking about earlier. I don't feel like there is enough resource or is enough time, dedication, training being put into these things to give these young people and these new pilots the tools to be able to handle these new situations and these new challenges that they're going to be faced with. Um, so yes. it's not even necessarily, I feel like about age or your ability or even like put all of that aside, external pressures, all of it aside, it really boils down to like how much, 
I hate to say the word education. I don't like using that for anything like aviation. I would say training. Like how much training do you have? How much resource do you have? Is your company really going to put the time and dedication into you to make you a well worthwhile pilot? Somebody who's able to be 24 years old, be say, say you are 24, 25 years old in a captain's position. If you've been given the appropriate amount of training and had that experience, I see no issue with it, but it just all boils down to, as we know very, very well, and time and time again, these airlines don't give a shit about safety. They don't really care about their pilots. You're just a number. They sure shit don't give a damn about the passengers. Like, so I don't, there is not going to be that resource source. There's not going to be that time. There's not going to be those tools. So you're kind of left to your own devices as far as how are you going to deal with these new challenges? And it's just like Leslie said in the situations that Leslie was dealing with, which were a whole other spectrum of issues. She still was never, you're not really taught how to, how to deal with that kind of stuff. Um, so I really think it all just depends on who you are like down to your fundament to your fundamentals like what kind of person are you and obviously everyone has their own like unique life experience which I feel like I definitely have to give credit to everyone depending on how you were raised or what you dealt with during your childhood or your teenage years your early 20s like you could be a little bit more mature than just the average 24 year old but Yeah, I I think so too. I especially think if you're going to an airline and you're 24 years old, you're much more mature than, you know, people who aren't in that because you have to, you have to maintain such high standards as a pilot. And especially as an airline pilot that I feel like that matures you over the long run, like very quickly. So I do agree with you on that. And I, I'm not saying that if you're 24 and you're, you're captain, I, that's amazing. But now that you brought up the whole thing with Leslie, that too is like, there's not really a foundation that airlines set up for you to succeed. They, they give you the training obviously. And, and you will have the foundation to fly definitely. Cause they don't want you to mess up their million dollar babies, but they, for life, like, I don't think they equip you for those external factors. Like that is something that you have to learn all by yourself And so surrounding yourself with a good support system of pilots, family, you know, and all of that will go a long way, but also realizing like you have to stand up for yourself and be an advocate for yourself. If the airline is like pushing you into a corner and it should be a red flag for you. If ever you feel uncomfortable, that's all you have to say is like, I don't feel comfortable and slow down, make sure everything's okay. You know? do your checklist, all those things. And it's okay to go slow because I think the airline industry always pushes you to go at such a fast pace that sometimes you just don't, you don't have the time to think about those things. So that's kind of one thing that I've learned from my husband is he has really realized as a captain now, like we get, we're going to slow the pace down, even though everything's about on-time performance. The most important thing is feeling safe and being able to just make sure everything is okay. So going at a slower pace is good. I just think it's important. Like think about yourself, think about what's important to you. Uh, The only reason we're sharing this is really just to spread awareness for you if it's something you've never really thought about. Uh, Always think like, okay, everything's moving so rapidly. I can go anywhere I want. There's boundless like things that I can do in this industry. But on the flip side, there, there can be negatives to that. There's always like a bad side to the good. So I, I think that's really just why I wanted to talk about it, just to open your eyes to the aviation industry. It's not always good. They do use you and you are a tool in their hands. So if something happens where you get really stressed out, just slow it down and yeah. do what's best for you. And this isn't like too discourage anyone um I feel like if you're a first time listener and this is like the first episode you've ever stumbled across or you're just like a one off listen and you're listening to this I feel like it definitely comes across as discouraging like we're taking just a big giant 
fat dookie shit all, all over um your dreams and your goals and your aspirations which we're not like go get your bag like do you like we're proud of you if you can achieve these kinds of things like that is a remarkable feat and there's just I, I that's just something to be so proud of but with what we talk about every single week on this show we're about mental health. We're about slowing down. We're about taking off the rose-colored glasses, seeing it from a different lens, seeing it from another perspective, and kind of telling you the things that you might not want to hear. But it's like, it's like that advice that your mom gives you that you're like, fuck, like you know she's right, but you don't want to hear it. And she's such a Debbie Downer. And like you're like, mom, don't kill my vibe. Um, but these are just things to think about. Like, you know it's not all bad, but there is going to be part of it that like, there's always going to be rain. Like, it, like there can't always be sunshine. There's going to be rain sometimes. So it, like, just to make it very, very simple for you. And unfortunately we love the rain. Moving on, moving on, moving on. Um, Maddie, I'm going to let you do one more call to action, just as far as like liking, commenting, sharing, hitting the de- bell, blah, 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 this, blah, blah, that. Yes. Uh, Most importantly, you guys, we are collecting affidavits and stories about their medical system. So this will help us make reform congressionally. I've been printing out every single one because I plan on at the end of this month walking into Representative Rick Larson's office since he has one here right in Bellingham and assistance and just sharing with them everyone's stories that I've collected. Um, And most of these people have had like an experience with the air medical system, maybe not directly, maybe indirectly, like their husband has committed suicide or their child has committed suicide. Um, But if you have had an experience with either the special issuance process or just the air medical system in general, and you have a problem with it, and you would like to write a one to two page word document and have me uh, send that in. I would be grateful. Emma and I are working on a stakeholder group. So we need to get as many stakeholders as possible. The bigger the group, the stronger and more bold we are. So if you also may be interested in being part of that, send us an email to our pilots pandemic email. Um, you can find that on our, our Instagram account. Emma also it's at the, in the show notes, right? So yes. And also I believe our email, which let me just pull it up real quick. It is literally just pilotspandemic at gmail.com. That's it. One word, pilotspandemic. Not the pilotspandemic podcast, just pilotspandemic at gmail.com. So yeah, so send us an email. It could be short. Just be like, yes, I want to be part of the stakeholder group. And then I will send you the information uh, that you will need to have to be part of the stakeholder group. Uh, these are just the group is for making congressional change. So we will be having like certain tasks that I may need you to do, or we may be picketing at some point. But the point of the stakeholder group is so that we can make congressional change. Yes, ma'am. All right. To the fun part of this episode, which I'm actually kind of excited for these questions. So the first one, Emma, is if you could speak one other language fluently, what would it be? Ooh, this is, okay, this is a hard one because I want to learn another language so freaking bad, but I really want to learn Spanish. Like when you said Spanish, that's basically what I want to learn. Like I do know Spanish pretty well. I had to learn it in high school and my first boyfriend was Mexican, so... But moving on, next question, because we could speak all day about languages. Uh, Would you ever visit a nude beach? Yes, because I recently, um, Maddie and I had this conversation. There's, I've got a little spot. It's my little, um, just my little spot. Like I know a place. Um, I know a place. Really? In Charleston? Yeah, girl, I know a place. Let's fucking go. Girl, I am kidding. No, it's just my little secret spot. We've been there together. I took you there. Didn't I take you to the Shell Beach? No, you're not going to the Shell Beach. No, I didn't take you to the Shell Beach. Well, it's like a little beach and it's like my little disappearing beach because it's only there when the tide is low. 
and not very many people know about it. And sometimes if you go there during the right time, um, there will be nobody out there. And really the only thing that you have to worry about is like the boats going past. Cause it is near like a very popular Creek that people go in and out of. But anyways, one day we were out there. It was the golf course behind us was like closed. There was nobody out there. There were no boats. And, you know, I was like, take my top off real quick you know because why the hell not you know like a little little nudity ain't ever hurt nobody and the minute my tatas saw the sun the amount of endorphins that I felt like the serotonin boost was so real and now I understand the whole sunning your um your butthole trend because oh. it's I low key think that's probably, they're probably onto something because I kid you not, like the way that it felt to just be topless. And for, I feel like for women, like all the men listening here, like go ahead, tuck it. Like don't, don't even bring that, like kind of just don't even, okay. This was a very beautiful and wholesome experience for me. And you as a man would not understand because you could just take your top off at any fucking time. Men just get to live throughout their lives topless when does a woman I mean I cannot like other than that one time I don't remember the last time I was outside without a shirt on I was probably two or three years old so this was just like I don't know dude I really don't know how to explain it it was awesome it was just absolutely awesome I did it for a whole minute and then I got too scared and then I put it back back on (laughs) yep I, uh, that reminds me of like the first time that I got nude, which was 2015, maybe, uh, the first nude beach I went to was in Australia with my husband. We were on vacation. It was Thanksgiving and we're like, we're getting away. We don't want to do anything with our family. We want to go to Australia. So we were in Byron Bay, which is on the gold coast and the beaches are like sprawling there. So you, you can go nude anywhere. Um, and most people in Australia do go nude topless, but we took it all off. So my, I'm getting in the water and I have a flask with me, a fireball to like, you know, calm the nerves. And I probably drank about half of it and I'm going out into the water and I see another guy in the water and I don't think he's going to disturb me at all. You know, we're kind of far apart. All as soon as I step into the water, he's like, good day like mate or something like that I think he said that it's like good day to be in the water and I look at him I say yep and then I run fucking back to the towel because I was just like so nervous to be like nude in front of somebody it wasn't even that he was a male it was just like I've never talked to somebody like nude so that was the first time that I was nude but after that experience it became exponentially easier to like go down to the buff so I've been nude countless times now. Every time I go to Crete, we're always nude on the beach because they allow it. And uh, Germans, like I said, there's a lot of Germans that go to Crete and they're very nude friendly. So German people people love being naked. Yeah, they do. They love being nude. And I think the most important part is to say that going nude is not a sexual thing. Like American sexualized nudity is not a sexual thing. Being on the beach nude in European countries and I think that's kind of why we don't go nude in America is because it is so highly sexualized when it shouldn't be. And uh, in a, and that's why I like it. Like when I travel, I'm like all fine with going nude. It's more so like when I'm home, like I'm like, do I really want to go nude? I don't know. Um, but we also have a spot here. It's like right off the coast of the, the park here. It's called Chuckanut Island. So Jesse and I'll just kayak over to Chuckanut Island it takes about an hour um, and then we'll sit on there and we'll go nude we are likely to see kayakers going around the island but at that point I don't care because we're just on an island so yes I'm I'm always down to visit a nude beach it's funny to me how like in America if you see people or like you know nudists and they're going to a nudist beach in America like those are crazy people like that's how we see it you know you're oh there's the nudist beach how crazy people right you say you're going to a nudist beach in europe and it's like 
oh my god like how fucking bougie like that's so cool like big flex <laughs> like oh yeah I went to a nude beach in in Sicily or like I went to a nude beach in Greece like her pop off like what a slay moment but you say that about Florida and people are like <laughs> slut <laughs> yeah ew degenerate like get yeah, her out of here <laughs> I know it's like a puritan in the public and freak in the fucking sheets like that's America that's America okay okay last question are you more like your mom or your dad this one is kind of hard it stumped me a little bit because like and this is this kind of sucks about losing a parent because my dad died when I was 17 like there's so much now that I know about myself that I'm like aware of that I didn't really know at the time um and now I'm like hmm like maybe that like oh that explains that or oh that's where I got that trait from but I would say it's like a nice wholesome split and I think a lot of like oldest children could probably relate to that where you do get a lot of um each parent like there are definitely things that I do I would say more of my negative traits and this is a terrible thing to say but like (laughs) my negative traits are from my dad like a lot of and I would say my personality traits like me talking so much being very expressive like high energy that all came from my dad but also like things that I don't like about myself like how anal I can be about certain things and how being late can cause me to literally have an aneurysm and how if everyone's not in the car by like the time that I set how I'm going to pop off on you and literally yell at you and make you cry um those are all my father's attributes that he gave to me now there are little things that like I think are kind of cutesy about me that I'll do and I'm like oh my god that was so much like Shelbina which is what I call my mom um <laughs> Shelbina um and little things like that and obviously I have gotten some like negative attributes from my mom but like my humor and the things that I think are funny and the things that I say like I have noticed the older I get I'm like oh my god that was Shelbina like that was not Emma that was Shelbina <laughs> That's your other persona. <laughs> literally, literally. Little Shelbina, like little Shelbina back. Like just I, little things, man. Mama, I'm jealous. Yeah, but I love my mom. Like me and my mom, I mean, it's so funny. And I feel like a lot of women feel this way, like mommy issues. But it is so weird how when I live with my mom, like we get along, but we don't really get along. And then the minute that you move out and you're like an adult, me and my mom get along so well like that is my girl that's my girl um but yeah I think it's I just think it's funny and that's another thing on your early 20s that's another thing you really come into in your early 20s is realizing all the shit that your mom has done for you has continued to do for you and like you really start to um empathize with your parents a lot like a lot I can that is what happened to me like after I moved out went to college uh I realized like wow I was such a little shit when I was a teenager I was so mean to my mom and you know now I'm like I love my mom like we get along great I don't think I could live with her but uh I do love her I think me and her together could live together by ourselves but like not with anybody else yeah yeah no I feel that that's exactly how I feel like me and my mom when it's just us together unstoppable duo like girl we the last time we were together by ourselves we went to New York and I was just like we were powerful okay we made a woman cry um (laughs) I tell myself that we made her cry I told you the code story we've heard the code story like don't make me tell it again but I totally feel you on that like I feel like me and my mom if it was just us like very very like compatible so like we understand each other yes but the way I am too with my mom but it's just it's literally the fact that we have brothers like men are fucking brothers they ruin everything mm, they really fucking do like oh men I literally (laughs) oh we love them no 
Um, but yes, it has like a different like dynamic, and then that's where the conflict happens. So uh I think I honestly it's sad for me because my biological father died before I was born. So when my mom was five months pregnant with me and my twin brother, so I really don't know what his personality is like because I only hear stories from my mom. So it's hard for me to like decipher like am I like my dad? I know I have like some of his uh, physical features, uh, like my broad shoulders, how tall I am, my fucking freckles. Um, But like, I don't know if my personality is like him. I will say I got my aviation and love of aviation from my stepdad um, and that I am more outgoing because of my stepdad like he was like your dad like talk to everybody very anal um you know he is like love to be in the spotlight and whereas my mom is not outgoing like me so I feel like I got those traits from my stepdad but as far as looks go I do look a lot like my mother people tell me all the time you look just like your mom so I agree although my twin brother I always say like if I took away his hair and just pretended he was a girl like he looks exactly like my mom. So it's, it's weird to see those physical traits, um, play out. Like, who do I look like more? Um, but yeah, I I definitely look like my mama. It's uh, the looking thing is one that like, I don't know. Nobody has really ever told me I look like my mom other than like my aunts and shit. They'll be like, Oh my God, like you're like so much like your mom, but they say the same thing to my sister um my brother looks just like my dad like I can see it in my brother but me and my sister I don't know like my sister I feel like looks a little bit more like my mom in the face but she also has so much German attributes that she got from my dad like her body shape like her face is like very round in like the most beautiful little Danish croissant looking way not to interrupt you, but I did tell you you look like your uncle Andy. Like you, you did tell me that, which like I'm not trying to toot my own horn. I wanted to say it, but like oh, <laughs> I'll be <laughs> I'll say it because literally, I think before you told me like who was in in the iconic picture that's part of the petition of uh, your dad and Andy in the cockpit. Um, I didn't know which one was your dad, so I just thought it was Andy who was your dad because you look like him. See, so. and I will take that and I will eat it right up. Scumbity yum yum um um. <laughs> oh my god, that scared the sh- did you hear that? Yes. It looked sounded like you like breathed like really deeply. No, it was the door just like opened, it just cracked, and there's nobody over there. Okay, we need to wrap this up because <laughs> I had time to sage the house again. It's Uncle Andy saying, What's up, Emma? literally every single time we talk about him your rotary phone rings freaks me the fuck out (laughs) okay yeah we're all done with fun questions so all right well that is the end of this week's episode i hope you're not getting too annoyed with us but um yeah i think it's good like we honestly we had some back to 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 back episodes with guests and you know I think sometimes y'all need to be reminded of like this is why you're here you're here for us you're here for them but you're here for us mainly we'll be back with a guest next week yes we will and until then keep the blue side up and the brown side down shoddy keep it cool keep it real keep it trill